Hello, everyone, and welcome to Headwise, the weekly video cast and podcast of the National Headache Foundation. I'm Dr. Lindsay Weitzel. I'm the founder of Migraine Nation, and I have a history of chronic and daily migraine that began at the age of four. Our episode today has something for everyone. We'll be talking about new daily persistent headache, or NDPH as most of us know it, with both a leading advocate in the NDPH space and a leading headache doctor. Alan Kaplan is an advocate who battles NDPH. He has taken his suffering and used it to help change things for other people like him. He is the founder of NDPH Aware, which is a nonprofit dedicated to research and education about NDPH. Hello, Alan. Thank you for being with us. Hi, Lizzie. Thank you. We also have with us today Dr. Mark Burrish. Hi, Dr. Burrish. How are you? Good. Dr. Burrish is a board-certified neurologist and a pain medicine specialist whose research focuses on headache. Um, I am excited about this episode for many reasons. One is that we do not often get to address the NDPH community. There's just not as much research or new announcements for me to come and get excited about and tell everyone about. So when there is something, we jump on it. These disorders that are not as common as migraine, like NDPH or cluster, um, just don't have the money behind them to do the research, et cetera. So today, the reason we have Alan and Dr. Burrish is they got together and they have put together a survey called the NDPH Patient Patient Experience Survey, excuse me, and they have worked hard to launch it. So today we are going to talk about what NDPH is, how it affects people, and then we're at the end, we're going to talk about how you can help by becoming involved in this survey and in this research. So Dr. Burrish, let's start with you. Can you please tell us what NDPH is exactly? It can be a little confusing to a lot of us because it often has the characteristics of another headache disorder like migraine or tension headache. Yeah, so new daily persistent headache is a benign or theoretically harmless headache in the sense that it's not dangerous and won't lead to a cancer or a stroke. Um, I think patients will tell you it's not really harmless because it can have such effect on your life. But mm-hmm. the name new daily persistent headache is actually a pretty good name for it. It's a new headache that's daily and never goes away. So mm-hmm. officially, there's four required components. So first, you need a headache. That's kind of obvious. Second, you've ruled out head bleeds and other things, also kind of obvious. Three, uh, third, the pain has to be continuous within 24 hours of starting and has to have lasted at least three months. And then last, and this is kind of an odd one, you clearly remember the moment the headache starts. Uh, and that kind of sounds odd, but the moment it starts seems to be crystallized in many people's minds. Okay. Now, when when they remember the moment it starts, now this has always been a curiosity for me, are these people that always had a previous headache disorder like migraine and then they get one one day and they're like, oh my gosh, that one never went away? Or do they usually not have previous headache problems? It's a little bit of each. It seems like that new daily persistent headache, uh, NDPH doesn't prevent you from having other types of headaches. You can also have migraines beforehand or, uh, but some people, they've never had really any significant amount of headaches before, and then they suddenly get one one day. 
Okay. So is that the cue if someone's watching right now and they're like, wow, gosh, do I have migraine or do I have NDPH? Is it usually that they you remember that day that it started? That's a lot of it. Yeah. There's definitely overlap. Many patients with new NDPH have the migraine types of headaches with nausea, light sensitivity, noise sensitivity, motion sensitivity. But mm -hmm. yeah, those NDPH headaches become continuous within 24 hours. That's pretty unusual for migraine. Usually they'll, they'll go away at some point. So one of the questions I often ask NDPH patients is, when is the last time you did not have a headache? Mm -hmm. And those patients will often say something like six years ago. Mm -hmm. Migraine patients will often say, well, I, you know, last week I had a day where I didn't have a headache. Okay. That is, that's actually a good question. I'm glad that you said that. So uh, Alan, can you please tell us your NDPH story? We'd like to know what it was like for you when it first began and what it's been like living with NDPH. Sure. My uh, NDPH started in December of 2017. Mm -hmm. so I don't have the exact date. I'm, I was, I know it was in the beginning of December and I just had some cataract surgery done mm -hmm. and sometime in between the first eye and the second eye that I realized I had a headache that was just not going anywhere. I wasn't mm -hmm. just there and that didn't stopped and it just kept persisting on and on and on and on. And even after the second one, my wife thought at that point that that's what caused the headache was the surgery. Um, everybody I talked to says that's probably not possible, but we really don't know 100%. So kept going on in January. I'm like, okay, what do I do now? It's, 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 you know, I've had sinus issues in the past. Uh, I have allergy issues in the past. I figured, okay, let me just go see an allergist, did all the tests, nothing. Went to my uh, ear, nose, throat guy, who knows my history, obviously, of sinus headache and polyps and all that kind of stuff. Check me out, sent me for a CAT scan. Everything was clean as a whistle. So he basically was the first one to say, this is possibly a headache, a headache issue, not a sinus issue. Mm -hmm. um, so from there, I went uh, to my GP who put me on, I think, gabapentin at that time and maybe Tobamax. I'm not 100% sure about that. Mm -hmm. And... A couple months later, I had an episode where I thought I was having a stroke. I was getting a lot of tingling and things were going on in my body. So I didn't understand. I was getting tingling on my side, down my arm, my feet. Went to the hospital. I saw a neurologist there. They did all, you know, a CAT scan and they did some MRIs. And, you know, they didn't diagnose me with NDPH at that point. They just said it was a headache disorder or something. Um, and then finally got a hold of a headache specialist who started treating me as if, because uh, they're not going to give you a diagnosis unless you're th at least three months out anyway. Mm. Uh, so they start treating you as if you had migraine. Mm. So getting all the migraine meds, I'm getting you know, the devices and MRI, MRA, MRV, uh, name it, I pretty much had it all done. Um, and then eventually she gave me the diagnosis of uh, New Daily. And that was probably somewhere, I think, late spring of, of 18, going into, uh, into the fall. Um, but didn't change how I was being treated because 
Unfortunately, there are no meds specifically for NDPH. Uh, there's no research specifically for NDPH, uh, especially at that time. Um, so I'm kind of at the whim of, uh, of what they've come up with for migraine. Mm -hmm. Through all that, CGRPs, like I said, the Cephaly, the Rivio. So I probably did over 50 different meds, devices, tests. I'm probably up to 60 by now. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, okay. Finally, in, let's see, in 19, uh, my doctor said at that point, my local neuros, at that, she was a headache specialist. It was basically out of, out of options for me. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as what she can do out of her office. I need, she said, you need to go to a clinic. Mm -hmm. um, she happened to have been a fellow at Jefferson, referenced me up there, referred me up there, saw Dr. Silverstein, and then started all the inpatient infusion things of, of what they normally, you know, through their process. So that summer of 19, I did DHE infusion for a week, got a few months out of it, and then it just kind of petered out. That December of 19, I had outpatient infusion mm -hmm. at Jefferson, which basically was only a four or five hour infusion instead of 24 seven. Did that for a few days, left there, got a little bit of relief, but not much, much, you know, less than a couple of weeks probably. Mm -hmm. And then COVID hit uh, a few months later, and I'm just like on the couch. I ended up in 19, retiring from my job, um, which uh -huh. was about three years early than I anticipated or hoped for. Mm -hmm. uh, I couldn't make the connection. And so in 20, I'm like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not responding to any medication. I'm not getting help. Uh, finally went back to Jefferson in June for the inpatient DHE again during COVID, which was challenging. Got zero. Okay. Yeah, I got zero results mm -hmm. out of that. Oh. And that's when I was, you know, then I'm still working my other neuro. We're trying to, if anything new comes out, we're, we're getting it approved or we're getting samples and and nothing. Um, you know, it's pretty well known for NDPH that it's extremely refractory to any kind mm -hmm. of medication. So for me not to have, this is not, this is not unusual <laughs> for me not to be responding. Right. Um, and uh, that's see, so that fall of 20, I think I started my FD, that didn't work, and then they sort of put me on, uh, you know, Culipta and things like that, not Culipta, I'm sorry, Cymbalta, mm -hmm. uh, up to like 60 or 80 mill milligrams a day, and I was, didn't do, didn't do anything either, mm -hmm. at that point, I'm like, I'm done, and then I started reading about psychedelics and pain, and mm -hmm. I was reading about cluster buster, reading different doctors, uh, neurologists who've made, uh, um, uh, who've done some speeches about psychedelics and, and pain and headache. So I started looking into that, started doing all my research uh, into that. And um, in February of 21, I did my first intentional psychedelic trip. Mm -hmm. uh, with help of a, of a guy and a coach mm -hmm. uh, with me for oh, probably nine weeks before she let me take the medicine. Mm -hmm. And uh, the next day I had 50% lower pain levels. Mm. So I got down to about a four of a base, which is good for me. I was at six or seven probably on a daily basis. 
Mm -hmm. That's what I was going to ask is what was your average pain level? Yeah. And that's, I mean, average is exactly what it means. You know, I mean, problem with MDPH is the headache doesn't go away. The pain doesn't go away. The symptoms don't go away. Mark Mm -hmm. mentioned, Dr. Burris mentioned, or you mentioned migraine um, symptoms as well. And I don't really consider that migraine symptoms. I just consider additional symptoms to my NDPH, mm-hmm. which is uh, probably number one is parametric pressure changes. Number two is probably photosensitivity. And you go into uh, sound and you go to nausea and, um, you know, they're pretty much mm-hmm. wraps. And they don't go away. They right. just they stay with me just as, as much as the headache does. So, you know, the old, you know, expression is just not a headache. Right. Uh, refers to NDPH as well. Right. So I should mention, you mentioned Cluster Busters. Cluster Busters is a nonprofit organization organized by cluster patients. Um, and they uh, are well-versed in using psilocybin to help treat cluster headache, which is uh, the known to be the most painful condition on earth. And they uh, often have resources where they can help people like Alan, who all, who have failed other almost or other treatments have failed them, I should say, every treatment's failed them when they have severe and consistent pain like NDPH to see a psilocybin helps them. And, and they are an association that helps to uh, research um, psilocybin uh, and head pain. So um, for people who are not aware of that, that is uh, what Alan was talking about when he mentioned cluster busters and psilocybin and having a coach um, help him uh, figure out how to use psilocybin to treat his pain. And so uh, we, we got to your pain level, what it was, and uh, how you did have to stop working, et cetera. So we got a very good indication of how much NDPH has impacted your life. So Dr. Brush, is NDPH more difficult to treat than some of the other headache disorders? Is this just a known fact? It does seem to be harder to treat for some patients, for sure. It just, it's, uh, that may be because it's a relatively new headache. And, and like Alan said, we don't have a lot of data on how to treat it. You know, it's mm-hmm. probably been around for forever, but the term was first used back in 1986. I mean, this is a fairly new kind of thing. And, you know, migraine's been o- around for over a century. So um, we definitely need more research. Uh, right now, we try medications for what the headaches look like. If they have kind of migraine features, we try migraine medicines. If they have mm-hmm. tension headache features, we try tension medicines. But they weren't specifically designed for NDPH. We're just doing the best we can. Right. Do we know what percentage of people who are diagnosed with NDPH are able to find relief? Yeah, it, it's a good question. It does. Uh, we don't know. The answer is, is we, we're not sure. It does seem to depend a bit on age. So mm. if you get it when you're young, sometimes it's a little bit more likely that it will go away after a, a period of time. Um, if you get it when you're older, sometimes it, it kind of lasts uh, more long term. Uh, I've definitely seen all cases. I've seen cases where patients respond to the migraine medicines very well. I've seen patients where nothing really helps and it's gone on for years. Uh, so it, it, it kind of takes a lot of flavors. It's hard right now to predict any one particular patient what it's going to be like. And what is the average age that people are diagnosed with ND, NDPH? Ooh, for average age, 
I don't know. I, it, it's, it, it's basically, I think, for teens or even preteens, um, all the way up to kind of older age. I, I think it's pretty okay. range, but I don't know what the, the most common is. Okay. Um, so, uh, Alan, why did you, what made you decide to start NDPH Aware? Obviously, it was your suffering. Was there, do you have anything else that you can say about how you started this um, this nonprofit? Because that is a very impressive thing uh, to take your suffering and turn it around and go on and help other people. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, so after I had my first experience with psychedelics, I started reaching out to the doctors that made the videos and the conferences. I read, and then I started, you know, of course, I was reading about Cluster Buster. So I reached out to Bob Wall, the founder, mm -hmm. and I reached out to Eileen Brewer, who's the president. Mm -hmm. to figure out what you know, what just happened you know mm -hmm. what, why is this working what is it doing for me and how do I go about trying to figure out some kind of a protocol that will be sustainable which right. I haven't which I have not found um right. and they picked up they called me back like immediately because at that point uh cluster buses was looking for other people that maybe have had similar experiences to the cluster community with psychedelics that they can help mm -hmm. uh, get the word out as well. So it kind of ended up being kind of a real, uh, you know, kind of a karma thing where we just kind of all came together and they offered me some space within Cluster Buster to join them and put something together for NDPH. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I was like, yeah, of course, something's got to be done. I can't live like this. And neither can the other, we think somewhere between three and 400,000 people in the United States that have it, right. um, that we need something that has to be done. You know, we mm -hmm. just can't be, we can't just not have any meds that, are, that, are, that could be approved for NDPH. Mm -hmm. So um, that's, so that's kind of started the whole thing. And then in September, I got invited to do a uh, a webinar with uh, AMD, American uh, Migraine Disorders, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I was on that. And then I went to the Cluster Buster event, uh, conference after that, and uh, things just started rolling. And, you know, it was getting things going and figuring out what to do and how to do it and setting it all up. And, uh, you know, so August August of this of 22 is when we actually really released uh, NDPH to the world, NDPH aware to the world. So mm -hmm. we started a website. I started a website. I started a Twitter page and a Facebook page. And okay. yeah, and that's kind of how we we got going. And what is your website? Is it it's ndphaware.org, correct? Yeah, everything's under ndphaware.org. Keep it kind of okay. simple. Okay. <laughs> Easy to find. And, okay. Know. So let's talk about the research study and the NDPH patient experience survey, um, because we want to make sure that anyone who's listening and is able or who is uh, qualified can go take uh, this survey and be part of this research study. Uh, so what are the goals of the survey, first of all? Uh, I'll take the initial part. Mark can talk about okay. once we get the data. Okay. So after talking to a lot of people and figuring out, you know, okay, I have an organization, 
nonprofit. What do you do with it? And, you know, there's different ways you can go about, it. you know, you could do the social media um, um, support group type thing mm -hmm. or go behind the scenes, which is kind of what my, I was more into trying to get the research, trying to get the education out, trying to get the advocacy going. And everybody I spoke to said the first thing you need is a survey because no one knows who the, who the community is, who the mm -hmm. population of NDP patients are, what the experiences are, how old are they, what the percentage, the demographics, all that stuff. How many meds, like you asked, how many meds have they taken, what's worked, what's not worked. Right. So we figure we need to figure out who these people are before we can figure out how to help them. Mm -hmm. um, and we talked earlier about what NDPH is and how it starts. Mine came out of nowhere. It seems that a lot of people, and that I've talked, I've talked to people who have gotten it through like an Epstein Barr virus. Mm. People have gotten it through a concussive event. People had a, you know, of course, of a surgical event. Um, COVID now mm -hmm. is probably the biggest uh, single cause yeah. I would think of COVID of NDPH at this point, or persistent or or persistent headache. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so we have a lot of people with varying uh, symptomology and various, re you know, why, how they end up getting to this point. And so we have to figure out how do you, do you treat them all the same, or you treat you treat the previous disease to try to fit, stop the current disease, you know. So here we are. We have a survey. Uh, we were able to get uh, four other doctors on board besides mm -hmm. Mark. Uh, we have uh, Dr. Amy Gelfand, Dr. Mm -hmm. Christina Sperka, Dr. Matt Robbins, and Dr. Randy Evans okay. board, helping out uh, to design the survey. And so we make sure we're getting all the, the right questions answered mm -hmm. so that those five people can figure out what to do with those answers. Okay. Uh, and I think Mark can probably explain more about that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, this was... You know, Alan's idea. We we met at a cluster busters conference, and and he's really sold me on it because I I'm a, I do a lot of cluster headache research, uh, but you know he came to me not just saying I think I want to do something. He said I here's my plan, here is my survey questions, here's what I want to do, and so I'm I've just been happy that you know to help. I think when it's patient generated, when it's patient you know kind of driven, it's a lot um, a lot more productive in a lot of ways to get patients to, to take it, to get patients to understand what it's about, you know, it's, you're, you're doing it for, for your own community. So I, I've just been happy to help. But the, the, the idea for this is exactly what, what Alan said. Um, we're trying to kind of define the problem and then use that. This is not a one-off type of thing. Then use that to build things for advocacy and for more research and for clinical trials and kind of along those efforts. So it's an online survey. It's a one-time online survey. It's got questions kind of that run the gamut from, you know, basic, you know, how old are you? When did your headaches start? What did the, you know, was there something that started the headaches all the way to what treatments have you tried? How effective were they? Um, you know, how burdened are you by this disease? So we kind of try to run the gamut for, for things we're looking at. And so we just have patients log in. You have to be diagnosed um, with NDPH by a doctor, okay. but we okay. don't have to diagnose you yourself. Okay, so you have to have a diagnosis of NDPH. How old do you have to be? Uh, Thirteen or older. Um, okay. At least as of as of now, we've got a, a couple things we got to double check on, but thirteen. Okay. Yep. And then, um, are there any other requirements to take the survey? 
uh, internet access, I suppose. Okay. <laughs> and um, where do they go to take the survey? Um, we can we can give you a, a reference or, or, or something to link to, but it'll be an online, uh, just an online link that they go right Okay, there. so we have the link. We're going to be putting it up for you to see. Um, and if you have any questions or problems, please be sure um, to contact the NHF and we'll make sure that you get there, you get to the correct place to take this survey. Um, so is there anything else you feel our audience should know about NDPH NDPH aware or the NDPH patient experience survey before we go today? I just want to encourage as many people as possible to take this. I mean, I think we, in my mind, I came up with a number of like at least 300 people to, to do it, but I don't know what the, I don't know what actually a good number would be to be a solid mm -hmm. survey with good data. Mm -hmm. I think it's got to be at least more than two. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I'm kind of hoping that, uh, you know, we, we get at least that much and, and more. Uh, it'll be on my website. It'll be on social media, you know, uh, the link here. Um, plus also working through all the organizations uh, that uh, I'm part of CHAMP. And then hopefully, you know, they'll be able to help move that and all the other doctors will help motivated to their patients as well. And hopefully we get a really robust response uh, to it. Um, you know, it's yeah. what everybody's asking for. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, where where's the medication? Where, you know, why aren't people talking about NPH? Why is migraine the big word? And right. H is not, and, you know, right. and things like that. And, you know, the patient community feels like they're a little bit left out. Right. So if you have any trouble, or if you're listening to us instead of watching us and you cannot see the link, please be sure to go to ndphaware.org uh, to make sure you get to the right place to take this survey because we don't want anyone left out uh, because there's not that many people in the NDPH community to begin with when you compare to the migraine community to study. So if you do have NDPH, be sure you go and you take this survey. Uh, anything else before we go, Dr. Burrish, that you'd like to add? I think one of the things that, that Alan mentioned about COVID is kind of fascinating. It's kind of a new wrinkle in the NDPH that will be exciting to figure out that mm -hmm. there are definitely triggers. Patients have an infection or they have a surgery, like Alan said. And is, there's a question of whether some of these long hauler kind of COVID patients where they have this long COVID, is some of that actually NDPH? Right. Uh, what does that tell us about, you know, it's a lot that's been studied, obviously, about COVID. Uh, what does that tell us about how this works and can we use that to figure out how to treat other patients? So I think that's going to be fascinating. Yes. Um, and that we did have an episode recently on, on uh, headache post COVID diagnosis. So um, everyone hopefully is, is primed with information on that. So, well, thank you both of you for joining us. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Dr. Borish. And thank you everyone for listening today. And if you do have NDPH, please go take the survey and please check out NDPH Aware, uh, check out the website, check them out on Twitter and check out the Facebook group. Thank you so much, everyone. And please join us again next week on Headwise, the weekly video cast and podcast of the National Headache Foundation. Bye-bye.